You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, we're very pleased to have a special guest with us. Besides David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, I have Dr. Philip Flores, who is a clinical psychologist with a Ph.D., and he is an internationally known author, lecturer. He is a very um, well-skilled clinician, works both with individuals and is especially known for his work in group therapy. And he has a special interest and um, a lot of expertise in the field of attachment disorder. Now, this is a very interesting um, field of study and theoretical framework to understand some psychiatric disorders, but your work has been focused primarily on addiction as an attachment disorder, which I think, if, um, if I'm correct on that, um, I think that's a very interesting and a very helpful way for clinicians, for family members, and for patients themselves to to view the difficulties that they've had through their lives, often predating their use of substances, and the difficulties that they have in terms of trying to stay sober. So welcome. So happy to have you here today. And um, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with our listeners a little bit about what attachment means and, and what we what we mean by that term, and then we'll talk more about your your very well-known book, Addiction as an Attachment Disorder. Okay. Uh, thank you for the nice introduction. And <laughs> Thanks I'm, for being um, here. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, uh, let me uh, uh, start by uh, just saying a little bit of what led me into attachment theory and addiction. Please. Uh, the... Uh, I've been in private practice in 30, 35 years, and uh, one of the first things that struck me early in my car- career, my professional c- career at least, uh, was the, uh, uh, the lack of, uh, of healthy relationships with any practicing addict or alcoholic. Now, I, I would see them with uh, healthy relationships with people that were in recovery. But one of the first things that struck me is that I just didn't see anybody that was an alcoholic or addict that had a healthy uh, long-term relationship. There were a lot of destructive ones, Mm -hmm. exploitive, uh, 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 codependent guided relationships, uh, kind of a uh, another category I like to uh, sometimes uh, think about is what I, I call is that a lot of uh, practicing alcoholics would have drinking buddies or using buddies or even their spouse, uh, uh, if they were married and able to hold the marriage together, was usually formed uh, around the relationship to, to the drug or alcohol, almost like a menage en trois. Mm-hmm. And if you remove the alcohol, the relationship often fell apart. Um, when I also then started to notice with people that were uh, in 12-step re- recovery, I saw them improving their relationships. I saw them uh, uh, bringing their marriages back together. I saw them for the first time in their life having con- connections with other people that wasn't uh, tied into drinking or drug use. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, 
it left me with a, a, a clear picture uh, that um, relationships, healthy relationships, and uh, alcohol and drugs just don't go together. Uh, in recovery, uh, people that are unable to establish and maintain a healthy relationships usually will relapse earlier than mm. people that don't. And so I, I, I saw there's a number of explanations that people can give why AA works, and they're probably all valid, but the one that I focus on is the sense of community that gets established uh, between the people in the program, uh, between them and their sponsor, and uh, how I see them form uh, healthy attachment relationships almost for the first time in their life. And maybe later on I'll say something about this um, when I talk a little bit about Groups. Uh, right. That's that's part of what our our focus on is in groups is the interpersonal interactions and the establishment of um, healthy re- relationships within the group, which they then transfer outside mm-hmm. of the group and their relationships in real life. That's probably a lengthy intro <laughs> to your question. But, no, uh, very but important because I think. Uh, we often throw around jargon like mm-hmm. attachment uh, or attachment disorders or um, other kinds of words, and that doesn't always translate uh, to our patients or to um, our listeners, many of whom are family members mm-hmm. uh, related or in- involved with or care about someone who has the disease of addiction. So understanding that what we're talking about when we talk about attachment is literally my attachment to you or my attachment to David, the relationship that we right. have, and those can be healthy and help a person to recover, and those can be very unhealthy right. and can definitely impede, if not make impossible, someone getting into recovery from addiction right. and from other psychiatric disorders. Right. I, I agree with everything you just said completely. So how did you come about writing um, your book, Addiction as an Attachment Disorder? And I'll just um, let folks know this is a very well-written book. And the thing that I like about the book, if I might just give a comment, unsolicited though though it may be, I like the way that you have written this. Clearly this is a textbook or could be a textbook for a therapist or an individual interested in working in this field. But because you write stories, you Mm -hmm. illustrate your points by giving case studies, examples of what you're meaning by the point that you make, I think this is a book that the lay public could pick up and really understand quite a bit about this evolving difficulty that people have in their relationships and how that contributes to and or um, creates some of the difficulties that they have. So this book is is well written in that sense mm. because I think the stories, the case studies do very well highlight what you're talking about. And um, in this um, in this book, when you um, when you started thinking about attachment, how did you get to creating this? And you can get this on Amazon. That's where I got it. Is there another place you suggest? It's a Jason Aronson uh, publication. Amazon probably the e- easiest way. You can drive over to my office. <laughs> I, I got a bunch of them in there. So, um, 
But to answer your question, um, I uh, I began formulating uh, this idea of what was going on with relationships and addiction, mm-hmm. and then I uh, stumbled uh, on to a attachment theory, and, and it gave me a, a theoretical framework to pull this together. I was invited uh, uh, back in about 2002 to uh, uh, that. There was a special international journal on addiction treatment, and I was invited to write uh, an article there. And it was the first time I pulled together my attachment theory on addiction as attachment disorder. And it it was uh, the article was very well received, and a publisher from uh, uh, New York stumbled across it, Mm -hmm. called me, and said, I think you're on to something here. would you be willing to expand it into a book? If you did, uh, we would love to publish it. So That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So they sought you out. They sought me out. That, yeah. That's incredible because this is a very well-established publishing house, yeah. and they do a lot of uh, publishing for um or very renowned as, yeah. as yourself, um, authors in in the field of psychiatry, psychology. Right. But, and it's a book that's that's referenced often by other therapists that we've had on here mm-hmm. um, on the show talking with their own practices and their own work with, with addiction. Regularly right. we'll have this book cited. Mm. Wow. So it's it's that's been very interesting to finally pull it up and start <laughs> to look at it. Okay, great. That's flattering. And, so. to, and to work through it. So... You started doing this work. They um, approached you saying you're on to something. And so you formalized that much more, um, taking, I guess, from the original work of Bowlby and Kohut and Fairburn, and I'm trying to remember from my psychoanalytic training, um, all of these writers who talked about attachments. And these are not um, the relationships necessarily that we have as an adult, this starts way back. Oh, Am I right? You're absolutely right. Um, the um, uh, early attachment patterns that get established uh, as infants with the primary caregiver um, uh, uh, is one that uh, research has shown once those patterns get established, uh, they're very hard to extinguish. And they started doing uh research on uh, infant development, uh, Bowlby and Ainsworth back in uh, the 80s, and mm-hmm. then in, in about uh, no, the 60s, and then in about the 1990s, uh, people started going back and looking at these infants that got identified with this attachment style, either secure or in- insecure, and there's uh, three different types of insecure attachment. And they uh, looked at them as adults and looked at their current relationships in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they found that in 70, 80 percent of the cases, their attachment style stayed the same. Uh, so Even they, as an adult? Even as an adult. So um, um, they um, are um, hard to ex- extinguish once they're mm-hmm. es- established, uh, especially the... Um, uh, the insecure ones, and actually, one of the one of the harder, hardest ones to e- extinguish is a secure attachment. Uh, the uh, research shows that, um, considering what uh, our, um, parents have to deal with in the jobs and pressures mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, they do a pretty remarkable job in um, in uh, most industrialized 
Western countries. So this is uh, research that's been gone on in Europe, even some in Africa and the U.S., is that 60% of uh, children have what is called a secure a- attachment, and I'll uh, define what that is. But once you have that, it's pretty hard to extinguish because uh, you're uh, usually uh, able to uh, pick up social cues better. Mm-hmm. You're be- better able to relate emotionally to people. You're better able to handle um, uh, conflict. Uh, and so you, um, uh, I think I have a quote somewhere uh that uh, Louis Amini and Lannon, who I quote a lot in that book, said, mental health is like money and power. Uh, the more of it you have, the more you get. <laughs> oh. And so uh, once you mm-hmm. uh, have a secure attachment, you expect people to be responsive to you, mm-hmm. and you e- expect to respond to them. And so uh, that is pretty hard to extinguish. They're the people that go on and you know, usually are s- successful in life, form healthy relationships uh, uh, so um, and, and of course it works the other way we're going to take a break now when we come back we're going to talk more about addiction as an attachment disorder please stay tuned the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp what should be the course of treatment Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com 
the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Very grateful today to have Dr. Philip Flores, who is a um, Ph.D. psychologist. He has a private practice here in Atlanta. And if you're interested in finding out more about his practice, certainly just Google his name. And uh, last name is spelled F-L-O-R-E-S. And you can find him on Amazon for sure. If you Google um, Philip Flores in Atlanta, you'll be able to also um, learn more about his individual as well as group therapy um, practice. Um, very um, well known for the groups that you do, and I think that's a very important part that we'll we'll get to in our discussion today about how groups are so healing, particularly for folks with addiction. Right before. Um, uh, I'd like to ask all of you to be sure and have paper and pencil. I will give out this phone number again later, but um, have it ready. The phone number to contact Dr. Flores is area code 404-250-9340. That's 404-250-9340. So we were talking about attachment disorders and different attachment styles, and I was hoping that you might elaborate a little bit more on that. Sure. Okay. I'd be happy to. Um, um, My uh, ideas around uh, the relationship between uh, addiction and attachment, once the book came out, uh, I got a lot of confirmation from a lot of professionals that work in this field and Whose interest in addiction just isn't in passing, or they, uh, and then I, I started to get uh, responses from treatment programs, from patients. People would read my book, call call me, and uh, uh, and say, "Hey, uh, uh, you're writing about me, you know." Right. And, and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have people come to my office. I have the book out on the on the desk there, and uh, like there's um, this. Uh, Attorney, uh, I saw him a few times. Sent him to AA, and he fell in love with AA. But by the way, just like that, it's always great when that happens. Yes, it doesn't rarely always. does. <laughs> <laughs> but he came off one day and he saw my book, and he opened it up and said, "said I want to talk about this." You know, my my family life as a kid was screwed up, and, and so we, we we opened all, all that up. But uh, that's a little a digression. Uh, Addiction uh, specialists familiar mm-hmm. with uh, uh, attachment theory recognize that an inverse relationship exists between addiction and healthy interpersonal attachment. The two just don't go together. Uh, AA has known this for years intuitively. They will tell their newcomers um, that come to groups, old timers, will pull them off as sponsors and will say, listen, we don't have relationships, we take hostages. Uh, and I, I have a good friend who's a psychiatrist who's also in recovery, uh, is a recovering alcoholic, and uh, he wrote a, a forward uh, to one of my books. And uh, and in his uh, a book, he uh, was talking about his own alcoholism, and he says, alcoholism is a disease of isolation. And mm-hmm. so uh, I start putting things together, and so I, uh, I started to... Um, Bring this all together, and uh, and let me expand on the attachment styles. Get Please. to your question, mm-hmm. but let me give one 
when we try to make this a simple a definition that really gets at the heart of it. Uh, and I'll, I'll say it once, and then if, if you think I, sh- I should speak more on it, uh, please say something. So here it is. Attachment, a definition. Human beings are social mammals, and social mammals, all social mammals, regulate each other's physiology and alter the internal structure of each other's nervous system through the synecrosis exchange of emotions. This interactive regulatory relationship is the basis for attachment. Okay. You think that's enough? Just <laughs> <laughs> that. I mean, because there's a lot of information. Uh, that is all. But the idea that this is happening at a biochemical, a hormonal, a physiological, Absolutely. not just an exchange of words or glances, that there is actual change that happens internally and affects a change in somebody else. Right. Yeah. Physiologically. Yes. Not yeah. just a concept or yeah. an idea, yeah. but there's actual changes, yeah. and that's how we attach or don't attach. And that's how we keep ourselves emotionally regulated. Uh, like back to this uh, statement of addiction is a disease of isolation. Isolation is bad for our brain. Yes. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, unhealthy relationships are bad for our brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having uh, reciprocal... Of relationships that are synchronized, where uh, people do a give and take and are emotionally a- attuned to each other and respond to each other, that calms us down. Uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that's what um, good mothers do to infants. This emotional attunement uh, that keeps the baby regulated. It's also wiring of their neural system uh, so that they uh, are uh, then better able to regulate themselves. And uh, co-regulation leads to Mm self-regulation. So um, I'll expand on that if you... Please, yeah. Okay. Um, This gets into... uh, The neurosciences are really starting to have an impact on attachment theory. And it's a very interesting synchronicity that's going on with in the last 20 years, as the neurosciences uh, started to uh, come out with a, a better understanding of how our brain works, how our relationships works, uh, they um, began to look for a theory to explain all the data that they were getting from their imaging machines. And they were drawn to attachment theory because it already provided the framework to support what they were finding. And here's something from them and their uh, uh, influence on attachment theory. They uh, write about uh, people that do this kind of work, uh, that there's the biological limitations of Mm -hmm. self-regulation. No matter how uh, secure our early relationships are and how well they they help us uh, get our central nervous system organized so that we can calm ourselves down, Mm -hmm. um, we... uh, need other people uh, to keep our central nervous system up and running on uh, an optimal level. So think of it this way. Our central nervous system is an open feedback loop. It's not a closed system. Evidence out there is unequivocal. Our central nervous system is not a self-contained closed system. 
All social mammals require external regulation to keep our central nervous system up and running at optimal levels. Now, know that we can keep ourselves uh, regulated with pets. Mm -hmm. They are other social mammals. Right, that's Dogs, true. cats, mm -hmm. horses, mm -hmm. um, those uh, do a, a good job for us, um, probably better than a lot of people. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But without this external help with the affect regulation, we'll be more vulnerable to emotional regulation. And people that don't have either a secure attachment or haven't had one, they will have difficulty, extreme difficulty, regulating their e emotions. They will feel too much. Too much sadness, too much shame, too much anger, too much anxiety, mm -hmm. and so uh, that leaves them vulnerable. If if we uh, can't get our uh, because of our uh, dysfunctional attachment styles ourselves regulated through interpersonal relationships like evolution or God, which either one you want to believe in, uh, uh, how evolution or God designed us through in, uh, uh, people. So if that avenue is cut off, what are we left with? Alcohol, drugs mm -hmm. uh, are a particular um, choice for a lot of people. There, there's a lot of other ways at self-regulation that, um, that's getting popular now. Mindfulness training, mm -hmm. meditation, exercise. exercise. But there's, there's uh, um, alcohol and drugs for a lot mm -hmm. of people are an easy solution to that regulation. Uh, and but, it, it works for a while. What's, a, what's actually I've been thinking as you've been talking is how with alcohol and drugs the initial promise is relationships and connection and people have the thought in their mind well they like me better when I'm drinking or they like me better Absolutely. when I'm taking this pill and so that becomes an integral part mm -hmm. of that relationship yeah. um, and, and the difficulty with the suggestions in early recovery of um, get a sponsor and call that person every day, the panic that that creates for so many of our patients where to, to pick up the phone and make a phone call without a glass of wine is just not a, a herd of mm -hmm. um, activity. And, and so being able to help them recognize that human relationships and pet relationships are so crucial in helping people mm -hmm. regulate yeah. is a nice framework. Yeah. I, I agree. Very, very helpful. Okay. So I can uh, move into um, talking about how this relates to treatment. Absolutely, because okay. I think this is a uh, this is where I really appreciate your work and um, and this understanding about how you have a relationship with a patient and out of that how you can help that patient heal. Right, right. It uh, gets into what I'm now starting to call the. Um, relational approach to addiction treatment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, if we're going to ask a person to participate in group in a 12-step uh, recovery program or in relationships where we expect them to expose their vulnerabilities, to talk about their feelings, uh, uh, talk about their shame, we must start off by asking them if their attachment style will allow it. Okay. Because... Um, as you've uh, said, uh, some people will be too anxious to call a sponsor. Mm -hmm. and, uh, right. And so um, there's a, a, a certain, um, when we get into attachment styles, there's certain attachment styles that are going to be more challenging than others. And we'll um, 
speak to that some, and, and certainly the two of you have a, a lot of experience too on this, so maybe you, you can add to that. Um, but let me uh, uh, just say something about how healthy attachment aids addiction recovery. Okay? Absolutely. Keep going? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. Uh, a secure attachment is characterized by a positive emotional relationship with another person, especially depending on the person's ability to respond to us when we're in distress. Now, routinely turning to others requires confidence that one's emotional turmoil will be met with open-minded curiosity, concern, and responsiveness. Uh, So uh, people that have a secure attachment have this wired into them. Uh, mm-hmm. Their early experience taught them, if I go to dad, I go to mom, I go to my siblings, they respond to me. So they, they'll be receptive to that. Uh, I may uh, have time to get into this, but I'll, I'll just m- mention it here. Oh. Uh, we're okay. going to need to take a break, but when we come back, hold that thought, okay. and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, 
the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is Detailing Addiction. With me today from the Atlanta Healing Center is David Donaldson, and also I have with me our special guest, Dr. Philip Flores, who is a psychologist in private practice here in Atlanta. He does a lot of work, not only with individuals. Um, he's an author, a lecturer, trainer, helps um, supervise clinicians who are learning and provides a lot of good um, therapy for patients, for their families, and um, does this individually and in groups. So lots of information from his books and lots of information from him himself. If you'd like more information, please Google him at um, Philip Flores, F-L-O-R-E-S, um, in Atlanta, or check out his, um, if you'd like to contact him directly or make an appointment, please call 404-250-9340. That's 404-250-9340. And his book, Addiction as a, an Attachment Disorder, that we're talking about today is available on Amazon. Um, you also have a couple of other books, um, one on group therapy, I know. Right. Um, those will be a topic for another day. Okay. So I, I, I'd like to highlight this book today. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about the secure attachment s- mm-hmm. style. And if our patient has that, um, they're going to be more likely to be receptive to getting an AA sponsor or being referred to a 12-step self-support um, group. What about the other attachment right. styles? Let me uh, maybe give a, a, a couple um, examples. Uh, and mm-hmm. see. Um, this has to do um, not with a, an alcoholic, but I think it, it illustrates a secure attachment. To my, uh, my wife and I like to ride bikes, and we go down every Thanksgiving to Jekyll Island, and we ride all week. And so uh, last, a couple years ago when I was down there, I was on my bicycle pedaling way ahead of her and just kind of cranking it. <laughs> I came around the corner and there was this boy, maybe 11 or 12, that had gotten his leg tangled with the uh, uh, sprocket. And as soon as I came around the corner, he uh, I put on my brakes and he, he stopped and he looked at me, great eye contact, uh-huh. and said, uh, hello, sir, can you help me? Oh, my. And <laughs> I, I got off my bike, and he, did, he didn't look uh, uh, ashamed, didn't look, didn't cower or anything like mm-hmm. that. And, and I helped him get his pants leg off, and he hopped on his bike and said, again, good eye contact, smiled, said, thank you, sir. And he went off, and my wife uh, caught up with me at that moment, and as he was riding away, I said, that's a securely attached child. Mm-hmm. He uh, was in trouble. Uh, he needed help. He saw an adult coming, and he expected me to help him. Mm-hmm. And I said, this kid is going to go off and uh, probably uh, score very highly on the SATs. He's going to get along with uh, everybody at school, the jocks, the uh, the nerds. He, he's going to know how to read social cues. He knows how to negotiate relationships. He's going to be popular. He's mm-hmm. then going to go off, probably get in the best school. He's going to meet a nice wife at school. He's going to be a success in his life. So that's that whole thing, how a secure attachment opens a lot of doors. Now, in contrast, clinical e- example, in one of my groups, um, um, I had a physician that's recovering alcoholic that's there, and uh, a woman uh, 
uh, was a writer, but had an eating disorder. So she had her own uh, version of her addiction. And he was talking in, in group about his difficulty with his relationships, of course. And, and then he described his mother, who was bipolar, uh, and his father, who uh, would uh, was in sales and would take every chance that he can to get out of town and leave him taking care of his mother. And so uh, it, the, the situation was set up that he learned early not to turn to anybody because either father was gone or the mother was crazy or, or drinking. So he's talking in group about how hard that is, and he pauses, and the woman with the eating disorder looked over at Adams and said this. He said, I know what you're saying. Help ain't coming. And that's the basic basic position of an, an avoidant attachment disorder. They learn early that if you turn to somebody for help, it's going to make things worse, not better. So if I have a problem, I better solve it myself. I better take care of it myself. Don't go to uh, anyone when I'm distressed. Don't expect them to help me calm down. So, um, And both, uh, one uses food to do it, the other one uses alcohol to do it. So... Um, that leads me into um, the insecure attachment styles. Mm-hmm. So should I keep going? Please. Here. Ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bessel van der Kolpe asked this uh, question. Why do some people lack responsiveness to soothing voices, smiling faces uh, of people who care for them, input that helps most people calm down? Mm-hmm. There's a certain group of people that don't. Uh, and it has to do with uh, this difficulty with regulating a- affect, and uh, they have these arousal systems, the fight-flight gets triggered easily. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have difficulty, if you're in uh, uh, fight-flight, uh, you're going to have difficulty distinguishing friend from foe. So you mm-hmm. don't know who to trust. Uh, you trust the wrong people, or, or you don't trust the right people. And uh, that then uh, creates a vicious cycle. Uh, and uh, there are basically three types of insecure attachment style. Avoidant, which I... The first example. Mm-hmm. first example. There's one that's called the ambivalent. Uh, there, it's also called the preoccupied or anxious or enmeshed. You know, people that do research put their own, own um, names on it. <laughs> right. But basically, uh, those people are always... Uh, uh, insecurely attached in any relationship. They're always going to be clingy. Uh, they're always going to be uh, a, a needing more assurance. And you know what that does to a re- relationship. It just gets somebody... Right. The exact stay away. opposite. Stay away. The exact opposite. Right. And then you have the disorganized, um, which is um, uh, has elements of avoidant and ambivalent. The d- disorganized is... Um, a very severe category. I'll I'll break these down here with the next slide that I have uh, to show you some of the research how they apply to clinical populations and non-clinical populations. When you look at non-clinical populations, they just do a random sampling out of there in Ainsworth study, 60% usually uh, have a secure attachment. Mm-hmm. 20% have an avoidant, 
and fifteen uh, percent have a preoccupied, and five percent are in this disorganized. Now, when you uh, look at the clinical population, when you just look who shows up at a, uh, a therapist's office, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're um, uh, addicted or not, twenty-seven percent of secure attachment people are going to show up in therapy compared to sixty percent. Wow. So you're going to get. People walking in are going to be more insecurely attached. Uh, people that are securely attached are probably out there living their lives and getting themselves regulated in their relationships and aren't uh, uh, having to turn to alcohol or food to, uh, to do that. Uh, the um, the other uh, two categories, uh, uh, the three categories, are going to be in the 35 to 38 percent range. Now, over over half the people. Two-thirds of people sh- showing up are you going to be insecurely attached. Mm-hmm. Now, the disorganized is uh, highly representative of trauma, physical trauma, sexual abuse trauma, sexual abuse as a child, uh, PTSD. Um, and uh, when you look at the data out of this, uh, two-thirds of substance abusers in treatment report childhood abuse or neglect. Neglect. You're probably not aware. Of, you're, that's probably not surprising no. to either of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one study uh, 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 has looked at 75% of women in substance abuse treatment report sexual abuse. Um, I think it's uh, uh, 50% of males. I, I have found that to be pretty consistent with mm-hmm. my uh, when um, it, it's. I'm always looking for a history of sexual abuse trauma. Um, and um, so th- they're a very hard risk factor. Now, um, you probably kn- know this. It's, uh, maybe your audience d- doesn't, but they're, they're the hardest subgroup mm-hmm. to treat. Um, uh, they're going to have uh, be very difficult to form an alliance with them, have them feel safe with you, mm-hmm. help them calm down. Have, and because they're always hyper-aroused, they're not good at picking up social cues, they're either going to be avoidant or anxious, they're going to push people away. A lot of them fall in the category of borderline personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, th- they're going to prove to be a challenge in right. therapy. Um, so I'll uh, say that uh, and then I'll say based on that what can we do as therapists? That's a good so question. Just to be clear, so you're talking about this group of people are coming out of one of those three different insecure attachments, or just the disorganized attachment? Uh, no, out, out of the, uh, the three. Out of the three. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we certainly see that pretty regularly, and if, in particular, the um, help ain't coming. <laughs> right. Um, with our practice, and and then the uh, the um, um, lack of really attaching yeah. to the second, the ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I think it's. Uh, translated by come here go away yes come yeah. here go away yeah. we're going to take another break when we come back we're going to talk more about these attachment styles and how therapy can help thanks for listening please stay tuned perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and with us today we have noted author, clinician, lecturer, trainer, and a really nice man, Dr. Philip Flores. Uh, he has um, a practice with his wife here in Atlanta, and if you'd like to contact them, that's at area code 404-250-9340, 404-250-9340, and certainly check out his books on Amazon and you can also get more information if you just google his name and um, put Atlanta you should be able to find out all sorts of information about um, the group therapies and the individuals uh, therapy that they do Um, right before our break we were talking about understanding these attachment styles and recognizing that a lot of the patients that come in for treatment for many disorders but addiction as well will have much more likely to have a disturbed attachment style as opposed to a secure one and that understanding that helps guide the therapy for the patient and helps you understand when and how to ask them to move forward with um, getting a sponsor going to a 12-step group or being involved in groups so could you talk a little sure. bit more about that and how you use this knowledge to help your patients? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, one thing about uh, attachment disorder and early recovery, um, uh, 
an attachment, uh, no, let me put it this way. A crisis opens a person's attachment system. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us uh, will be forced to turn to others. I mean, that's what AA talks about when they say a person's hit, hit bottom. bottom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so you have a small window of opportunity uh, early on when somebody uh, hits the bottom, whether it's a, a, a crisis or whether it's the, the old sick and tired being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so they're, they're open. Uh, so take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, and uh, and know that right now uh, they're uh, they're uh, open to trusting you. Uh, they're mm-hmm. open to uh, I'll do whatever you want kind of stuff. Uh, and if uh, if you can be um, uh, sensitive, kind, and responsive, uh, I think uh, that will help them feel secure with you. And uh, and if they start to feel secure, then they uh, it'll start regulating them down. And uh, you're uh, able to form a therapeutic alliance you, with with them, which is often very hard to do. So once you get that, uh, uh, treat that uh, like a, a delicate little puppy because it, it, it you you can frighten it away. Uh, Easily, and you can damage it e- easily. Um, and so, if if you look at um, uh, some of the, the people who write about this, they uh, talk about the relationship uh, component of any kind of th- of therapy. That theory uh, is less important than the strength of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at all kind of th- theoretical models, and it. Um, it, it it really, uh, there isn't much difference in outcome, but it, it is uh, uh, on the depth of the relationship that's established. And so you want to do things that any uh, good, healthy parent would do with uh, a small infant. You want to be consistent. You want to be predictable. Uh, you want to be uh, you know, uh, be there on on time when the uh, when when the group meets or the, the, the appointment is there. The whole frame meeting in the same room as you can. They don't do well to surprises, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, if if you do that, that will get you a long way to uh, help them. Uh, but know that um, uh, inevitably, um, depending upon um, if they're also working a twelve-step program, which is crucial, uh, it, it it makes uh, treatment outcome a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Successful treatment outcome a lot easier to obtain. Uh, there'll there'll eventually come a, a a time in your relationship or in the group where the group or you is going to do something that hurts them or pisses them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> it always happens. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and, and it, it happens in every relationship. But when we, when you look at um, the research on this and people that focus on this, they uh, look at uh, child mother child-infant relationships, Uh, they look at uh, patient-therapist relationships, and they look at marriages. The one consistent thing in any dysfunctional uh, relationship is the inability to repair ruptures. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for us not to upset each other. It's just part of what 
relationships are, are about. Uh, uh, Steve Porges is writing about what he calls micro violations. We're experiencing them all the time. Somebody's talking to us, we interrupt them, we look away, we look at our watch when they're trying to tell us something important, and people are mm-hmm. going to, they, they may not recognize it, but their body will feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they'll start to shut down. And to help them uh, um, identify uh, uh, that uh, you just did something that injured them, uh, and they may not be aware of it uh, because that. Uh, it, it'll be some subtle clue. You'll uh, see them sh- shut down. But so to, to encourage them to talk about that uh, that rupture and to repair it, take ownership for what you did. Don't try to explain it away. Uh, uh, take their place. So well, I can understand why you'd be upset. Here, here you are pouring your heart. I'm, I'm looking at my watch. Uh, I'd be pissed too or something like that. So uh, th- those kinds of things will. Uh, uh, help them uh, start to develop an important skill if they're going to change their insecure attachment style to a secure one is that they're going to learn how to repair relationships instead of blowing them up, leaving them, or going through some kind of uh, passive-aggressive punishing kind of uh, thing that just destroys a relationship. So uh, it's it's once they uh, are, are able to get that early recovery of, of, of not drinking and get into that um, those first couple months where they're uh, they're on that uh, what's it called that pink cloud that pink yeah the pink cloud, cloud. <laughs> uh, so let them ride the pink cloud as long as they can but know that they're, they're going to come down and <laughs> then uh, you start dealing with uh, how can I uh, deal with people and how can I uh, learn how to um, uh, disagree without being disagreeable and so that's the aim of what we're trying to do from an attachment perspective so through that you're um, I'm assuming that you as the therapist recognize something in that individual that they might not see themselves They, they like you say they may not consciously recognize that you're looking at your watch upset them but you as a therapist that understands the nonverbal cues and understands those situations respond and help them begin to talk about that yeah yeah exactly exactly and uh, during the break we you mentioned this and I just uh, probably good way to say something about it now again uh, some of the research on social communication they're recognizing that 60 to 80 percent of social communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Eye contact, a uh, pleasant smile, the uh, excitement when someone walks into a room, the, uh, and we're, we're picking up on that all the time. It's not being registered up here, but it's being registered in our body. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're focusing on is those subtle micro-violations, those subtle cues that as you were saying earlier, alcoholics and especially alcohol practicing alcoholics and addicts are horrible at. Yes. Mm-hmm. And insecurely attached people are uh, also horrible with it. And and a point I made earlier, two go together. And we actually see this um, validated in our uh, 
um, QEEG brain mapping. We see the areas of the brain that are responsible for reading nonverbal cues and being able to respond to them. Those areas are underactive. They're mm-hmm. not working properly right. in these patients. Now, whether that's because they have addiction, whether that's the effects of drugs or alcohol, I'm not sure that data hasn't actually been gathered, but it is real and it is there. Yes. And so not only are they facing isolation and shame and guilt over their addiction and getting into early recovery, but their ability to determine how other people are receiving them mm-hmm. is offline. Yeah. And they are flying blind in exactly. their relationships often, and they don't really understand how they're perceived or how to appropriately respond. Their family member says, so where have you been? As a form of greeting, and the individual (laughs) hears it as an accusation. And so helping the family and the patient begin to understand these limitations and how to overcome them is awesome. Thank you so very much for being here and sharing your wisdom. And I would encourage all of our listeners to please um, follow up uh, with Dr. Flores and his book, Addiction as an Attachment Disorder. And we will see you all next week on Detailing Addiction. Thank you. This is America's um, WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.